Hey, do it one more time. Do it one more time. What he wants. This is Overdrive Radio, and that was owner-operator Scott Hampton you heard up top, egging on a fine young man who, with his father, was checking out Hampton's 2000 Peterbilt 379 and its magnificent horns, waking us all from whatever late afternoon, unseasonably warm doldrums we may well have been smacking the center of last Thursday, 10-4, in Washington, D.C. Hampton was among the 50 owner-ops and drivers who staged bobtail trucks on the National Mall 10-4 through Saturday the 6th, opening the doors to their offices for public viewing and stressing their own individual concerns for trucking throughout. I'm Todd Dills, and in this edition of the podcast, we'll hear from two more such owner-operators, Campbell Trucking Owner-Op, Todd Campbell of Bainbridge, Ohio, and Doug Hasner of New York. Hasner, you'll remember, had the unfortunate experience in April of being tased after a run-in with D.C. police that, in the aftermath, saw a few charges filed against him dropped. Use of the taser ultimately was uncalled for given the complaint police lodged against him that precipitated the set of events. Hasner was merely attempting to remedy appealing New York license plate on the rear of his personal vehicle during a demonstration on Constitution Avenue near the White House. Here's Hasner describing the aftermath of the tasing and his arrest. I come down from my arena and I said to the judge, I, he asked me how I pled, and I said, not guilty, I'd like a full jury trial. So he so, so ordered and uh, set the pre-hearing motions for uh, 30 days out. So meanwhile, I went home, I subpoenaed training records of all the officers, disciplinary records of all the officers, um, their academy uh, lesson plans, um, and the department standards for the use of a taser, uh, progression of force, all that stuff. Okay. Being that I have such a history in law enforcement and, and training, in particular, especially with use of force, yeah. I knew where to look. Yeah. So the uh, I sent the the this stuff was sent to the um, prosecuting attorney through my attorney, and a few days later we got what's known as a nollie pro, which is Latin for we're not going to prosecute. So the charges were dropped. So at this point, I'm moving forward with this. I don't know what's going to come out of it, but I want to send a crystal clear message. You know, this is not tolerable. People don't understand that I wasn't really guilty of anything. That's the only thing I had was my credibility, my good name. So that's kind of the basis. Hazard and I went on to talk a little about the goals of the 10-4 on DC event at the National Mall as he saw them. In a sense, he had a fatigue setting in among drivers and owner-ops hopeful for a meaningful regulatory change in the short term. And, uh, there's, there's several goals here. One, we're trying to bring the drivers together. Yeah. And, okay, White has been trying to do it for years. The Teamsters have been trying to do it. The ATA has been trying to destroy us. You know that whole dynamic and what's going on there. Um, I have no animosity toward OIDA. They dropped the ball a long time ago, as far as a lot of these guys are concerned. And if OIDA would have done what they started doing back in the 70s, they'd have a lot more respect. Okay? I spent 
my $45 a year faithfully. Now, I've only been in the industry for four or five years. Believing that they were out there doing the same thing that we're doing right now, and they're not. I don't know how many congressmen or senators' offices we've gone into and asked, when was the last time you saw a white? They're saying six years. That's before well, the ELD I, mandate even started. I just heard, I heard the opposite from a guy a minute ago, though. <laughs> just if, if you, yeah, did, yeah, if you yeah. did, but we're probably asking, depends on the office. Asking, right? depends on the well, that could be too. Yeah. But you know what? It shouldn't matter. They have got people with feet on the ground here every day, and that's their job. You give me one person and leave them here all the time, I could accomplish more than the White House. Because when we come here, we don't rest. We come to the hotel um, and we only yeah, our game plan. And it's all around our meeting with the FMCSA. And then we fill in the time around. How many times have you been down here now? This is, I think, my fifth time. Yeah. When did, did, were you here last October? Or no, I was not. Okay. I, matter of fact, last October was where I first heard about people coming to D.C. And I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of a novel thought. Discouragement among these groups, the failure of OIDA's lawsuit challenging the ELD mandate on various grounds, Otherwise, the lack of any other meaningful change outside of hours of service guidance changes around personal conveyance has indeed been a recurring motif in my conversations with owner-ops at events in D.C. over the last year. That counterpoint I mentioned in conversation with Hasner about the this-year 45-year-old owner-operator Independent Drivers Association I'll share with you now. It came from Bainbridge, Ohio-based Todd Campbell, who is former owner-op and current independent carrier group load finder Scott Reed, hauled to D.C. for the 10-4 event in Campbell's 2007 Mac Vision short hauler. Todd Campbell, the owner of Campbell Trucking, out of Mainbridge, Ohio. Campbell Farms. Campbell, Campbell Farms. Yeah, Campbell Trucking. We're all, it's all one of the same. Yeah. I think that's one of everything. <laughs> we happen to be standing next to Campbell's tractor along the National Mall in D.C. while we talk. Campbell Farms was the name displayed on the doors of the power unit. That uh, was... Uh, Representative Winstrup's aide, Ryan Durker, Brad Winstrup. Okay, and he represents the... Second District in Ohio. Okay. Uh, which is Cincinnati area and east out towards out towards Jackson. It stops just at the, the, the neighboring district. The other congressman we got met with this morning. Uh, vast knowledge improvement from April till now, from April 12th until today. Uh, that was the last time you were here? Yeah, we came in on April 12th and met with them and it's really a lot in the dark. I'd, I'd contacted them back in October and they had some information and supported 3282 back then, uh, but now they're really on board for supporting things that are good major stuff. I mean, yeah, of course, they're going to watch out for the negative <laughs> and we're trying to do something crazy, but we're not. So they're, they're in support of 5948, 50, yeah, 5948, 5949. And those are, uh, 5948 is a, a small business exemption, right? Yeah, 10 trucks or less. Yeah. And uh, 49 is the ag exemption. Okay, right. So, it's really helps it. I mean, we're truckers and farmers in our area. I mean, if you're not in the city, you're truckers or farmers. That's just what you do. Yeah. I mean, there's other industries, but not in the numbers that we have. Yeah. We're a very high number of that. Uh, they stated that they were getting a lot of information uh, via email from OIDA, so, which tremendously I send stuff constantly, and it, who knows where the source I'm sending it from right. it is. But, so they're different points of view, so they're really getting on board and supporting, not openly, but 
vote-wise, which is what's important anyway, is getting the vote. Campbell repeatedly stressed to individuals passing by his truck out on the mall the cost impacts he believes they will ultimately feel if they're not already, as a result of mandated ELDs without some kind of added hours flexibility. For many owner-operators, I know the macro market effects of the mandate have played part, at least in boosting rates, possible to command and spot and contract negotiations. For those opposed to ELDs, pitching that message to the general public is thus presenting something of a positive as a negative, as those increased rates are increased costs for shippers, ultimately flowing into the products on the shelves. You know, what you just use, you think about this going to the store and a nickel to order, a nickel to a quarter yeah. per item. Right. Think about that. Yeah. 20 um, items in your cart, four times a month. Right. That's, you know. Fifty, seventy-five dollars, really easy. Yep. Could be. I mean, depending on how much stuff you buy or how big your family is. Yeah. Spread out over the entire country, it's a ton of money. Yes. Yes. And all, and, and you can all stem it back to an ELD mandate. Yeah. You really can. They don't, they don't want to believe it that way, but you really can go clear back to that. It's making a huge impact. And there's been too much diversion coming out of the White House to let the ELD mandate be the reason for it. There's too many other things going on in the world that we're involved in. I think and say it. That's the reason for it. Right. It's not. <laughs> it's really simple, and truckers know the simple side of it. Nobody else wants to admit the simple side. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, depending on where you're coming from, economics can be really, uh, really complex, or, you know, you can you can see something that clear on the ground and something you're perfectly, you know, you're intimately involved in, it's like, there's the reason. And yeah. That's, there's no doubt that that's contributing something. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and you sure, you can, I'm sure you can be rest assured that's not the only, the only reason for it, but that, that is a big contributing factor. To price inflation. Yes. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Campbell Farms, what you guys do. Uh, well, we used to be a coast-to-coast -coast company, pulled reaper trailers, cow pots, uh, you name it, we did a little bit of everything. Uh, we, of course, we grain farm in southern Ohio. Uh, got several members of my family that grain farms, so I haul their products because they don't have trucks. Uh, not very big in the farming end of it, but we scaled back our operation to nothing but, we haul nothing but ag products, our 100 mile radius of home. 99% of the time for the year. So hours exempt. Yeah. And ELD. Yeah, which makes it super easy and super nice for me. Right. And yet, and yet you're still here. And uh, I'm here and fighting just right alongside every other trucker that actually has to run them. Because yeah. I don't want them to have to have them because I don't want my prices to go up on the store. And I don't want to if I have to go back to running the road because, uh, see, the ag industry is not a very good industry to be in right now. Prices are in the, in the toilet. Any money. The tariff actions imposed in recent times by the Trump administration, which had resulted in retaliatory measures, particularly by China, have, Campbell said, taken 30% out of our price because nobody's selling grain to China. China's not buying. Because they're not, they're not willing to pay the money the Americans that own it or the American ports that are holding it want for it to sell it to get the farmers to sell it to the ports, to fill the ports, to fill the barges, to ship it overseas. Uh, I just heard ADM Grain bought like 80 barges or something to ship over to China, or ADM sold China 80 barges worth of soybeans. Uh, that's a drop in the bucket for anything, so that's a very minute number. 
and it's not going to affect the Chicago Board of Trade. And that's what we go off of the Chicago Board of Trade. We're not seeing our price yet. China placed retaliatory tariffs on that commodity. Yes. Well, we're seeing the same thing in California, the, the Facebook group, which that's just to spread information that my job depends on ag out of California. They're sharing the same stuff with the produce and uh, the nuts and the meat out there, that whether it's, you know, chickens, one that's exported, pork's exported. I don't know how much beef is exported, but there's tariffs on all that by... China even, and that's where we do a lot of shipping to. So it's hurting it's hurting farmers across the board. It's not just grain farmers, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the grain farmers are the one that's showing showing the brunt of the of the impact of it, and it's it's affecting all farmers, every aspect of it. And it's got dairies shutting down by the hundreds every day across the country. At this point in the conversation, a young couple, a truck or two down the line from Kansas, posed for a picture with the rig. Young lady striking a pose with her foot on the step while her friend snapped a shot. I mean, she wasn't doing anything, you know, crazy pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just standing yeah, there, yeah. taking a picture. Yeah. Right, that's awesome. That's what we want. Yeah. We want these things. Do whatever you want. <laughs> we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hang off of it upside down and you fall, it's your problem. <laughs> it's the truck show atmosphere that these operators created out in the National Mall that Despite the unfortunate optics of bits of their brief and somewhat impromptu for some of the participants, it turned out, highway blockades following the event, the truck show atmosphere on the National Mall could well hold promise for the future of this event, or at least participants hope for that. Here's Doug Hasner again on a related point. And I, I, I can't emphasize this enough. All your experience is going out the door at a breakneck speed. And all you're getting back in are these guys that have been trained in these puppy mills or CDL mills or whatever you want to call them they're not they're not trained and they and they're losing the people the very people that could train them and train them correctly you know you got drivers out here with four and five million uh, accident free miles and they're leaving because they're regulating them out of the industry there are people that come out of a kind of a a training situation such as that 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 uh, that do end up being kind of people that stick around the industry and do well for a long time, but there are a lot back years and years ago, and we'll go back 30 years. Okay, where did your truckers come from? Family farms. Okay, trucking families. All my way. Okay, where do they come from now? There's people going through CDL schools that have never had a license, never drove a car. We're going to put them in an 8,000 pound vehicle going down the road at 70 miles an hour. That's the equivalent of taking your house and all its contents down the road. And if you look at the family farm 30 years ago, okay, and this is how I grew up, okay, you've got a, an old 1957 Alice Chalmers D17 with no brakes on it, hauling a silage wagon that weighs 10,000 pounds. Okay, far outweighs the track. Now, granted, you're only go 15 miles an hour or so, but one, you've got to be able to control that, stop it with no brakes. So we're using the transmission and trying to slow the tractor down. Once you get down to low enough gear, it just barely creeps along, so it's almost as good as stopping. And I was doing that at 10 years old. Okay, so now I can take that experience and bring it into the trucking world and know that, okay, I have a lot of weight back here. I've got to maintain a certain distance between my stopping point or where I want to slow down. You have like, 
and people like you and that grew up in that environment have have a kind of a developed a sort of ingrained you have feel a, for the entire yes. you know, for the safety of the of, of moving a big you can, thing by around. the seat yeah. of your pants you know yeah. you've got and if you haven't grown up in that situation it takes it's such long a time. long steep learning curve in order to really develop that feel for what the truck is doing and even when I started out look how high these trucks are they're 13 feet 6 inches high okay they're narrow and tall I did not realize that they weren't top heavy just by looking at them so when I first started driving I handled that thing with kit gloves. We'd come up to a curve, and my trainer's in the truck. I would back right out of it, slow down, because I'm waiting for the truck to do this. <laughs> right? Not realizing that 90% of the weight is below the headlights. Okay? So, once I got developed that feeling, it only took me a few weeks, and I'm like, okay, we can go a little bit faster, and my, my trainer would kind of get a little more. Why are you slowing down so much? I said, because I don't know the capabilities of this vehicle. And I don't want to outdrive A little food for thought there. Taking us out here in this edition of Overdrive Radio are your own most recent contributions to the mailbag in response to a request for comment on your own ideas for change in the hours of service. <clears throat> the federal comment period, open through tomorrow, October 10, was a big point of emphasis out in the National Mall last week, for sure. If you haven't weighed in yourself via the regulations.gov portal for comments that FMCSA will actually see, you can find links to comment pages there via overdriveonline.com. Search Hours of Service, A-N-P-R-M. Until next time, stay safe out there. Robert T. Strode, Wisconsin. I do LTL every week from Wisconsin to Florida. LTL out of Florida back to the Midwest. I would like to see the 14-hour rule be gone along with a 30-minute break. Um, due to the fact that with my pickups and deliveries, it it just can't, it's very hard to do. Uh, I would like to be able to split my sleeper so that if I'm at a customer for three or four hours, I can take my sleeper berth and split it up. I don't have a problem with having to take a 10-hour break every day. Uh, as long as the rest of the time I can split up how I need to with doing LTL. Thank you. John, Nashville, Tennessee. I think all those changes or perceived changes would be very good for the industry. Uh, only hopes that they would incorporate something for uh, you know, all the huge traffic delays, especially when you're, you're stopped for hours for a deadly accident be able to get that time back. Yeah, hi, this is Clinton Fields of the state of Oregon, and I'm calling regards to the new hours of service potential uh, reform. I certainly hope it does happen. I've been driving trucks for over 40 years, 4 million miles, and I have definitely felt the tension this 14-hour rule. When that clock starts, it doesn't stop. It creates a fast-paced atmosphere for us truckers. It's like we're always wanting to hurry, hurry, hurry. Um, it feels like we're just being run ragged. Um, I, I'm an ex-driver from way back when when we used to have more relaxation with our current hours of service. I'm not current, but the, the, the pre-hours of service that we used to have. And I feel that the real only compromise we're going to be able to have in this industry is at least give us 
an extra two hours in a day, at least a 16-hour window to get our 14-hour day, drop that 30-day mandate on our breaks. We could take our mandates, or excuse me, take our breaks when we need, feel necessary when we can take them. So anyway, um, I'd like to see a 16-hour window uh, imposed or uh, basically given to us so we can have a little more relaxation for the day. I don't really feel that we need the extra three hours like some guys are proposing. I think that's going to give the drivers too much leeway and too much time uh, in order to, and that would probably give them a little bit of potential problems with that. So I, I don't know. I'd like to see a 16-hour window created for us. It would definitely help us immensely. At least it give us a little bit more of a, uh, a time to unwind a bit at times during our days and uh, be able to conduct our operations a little more safer without having to feel like we're always rush, rush, rush. Uh, my name is Richard Clark. I'm currently sitting in Rome, Georgia. Uh, my comment is I don't understand uh, the government spent millions of dollars doing a study showing we were unsafe after 11 hours of, of driving and 14 hours on duty. Now they're talking about extending our duty hours up to 16, 17 hours a day. Well, now that we've got e-logs and shippers and uh, the companies are perfectly capable of tracking you and keeping up with every hour you work, every mile you turn, why can't trucking uh, get the government in line and revise the Transportation Act of 35 and go to paying us by the hour so we get paid for everything we do? I mean, I personally don't uh, appreciate, you know, we've got 14 hours, 11 to drive. That gives us three hours a day of what I consider slave labor. Motor vehicle inspections, DOT inspections, sitting on docks and things that we, we don't get paid for. Why, why is it the trucking industry is the only ones that don't get paid for what they do? Uh, construction workers show up, they get rained out, parts aren't there, they get show up time. Uh, production workers in factories run out of parts, machines go down, they get paid a base rate for standing around waiting. Why, why is truckers the only ones supposed to sit on docks for hours at a time, sit in traffic, and not get paid? You know, why can't they revise that act and go to paying us by the hour for every, every hour we work instead of the miles we turn? It would be, I think that would cut road rage down. That would cut people trying to cheat on the hours and make it a whole lot safer. I mean, it would factory workers or anybody else, uh, you know, be happy with, with you know, you're come in today and work 14 hours, but we're only going to pay you for 11. I mean, it, I'm not expecting to get paid for my meal breaks or my sleep time, but you know, from the time I go on duty till I stop, except for my breaks, why can't I get paid? And I just personally don't think it's a great idea to give me uh, two to three more hours a day to work for free. And, you know, it may just be me, but that's my thoughts. Thank you. I just think they should just give us how many hours we can drive. That should be the end of it. Nothing else should matter. Hey, um, this is Robin from New York. Hey, my um, comment about the rules and regulation about the driver's hours. Um, the best way to fix the problem, start the clock, stop the clock when the wheels are turning. So, 
once we start driving, the clock should start. Once we stop, turn the clock off. Do not come towards our 14 hours. So we can get clean driving hours all the time. Only when the wheels are turning. Otherwise for that, politicians need to go back to school, re-educate themselves about trucking, and just learn to fix our country debt problem. Otherwise for that, the other truck. On the hours of service, um, I think what would be workable would be to do a leave it at 14 hours a day that you can work, but 14 hours in a 24-hour period. Still with a maximum of 70 hours a week. After the 70 hours, then you do a 34-hour break to reset. But within that 24 hours, you can work at 14 hours however you want. You can drive for a full 14, or you can drive for 11 and, and, and have some on-duty time. But within that 14 hours, or that 24 hours, you're able to pause your clock. So you can pause your clock and take a 24-hour or a two-hour break, and then that two-hour break, you can sleep, get up, and maintain the rest of your day without it without it hurting your your uh, your on-duty time. Most guys will not stop and take a break, even though they're tired, because that break comes off their 14-hour clock, and that part of the health problem, that's part of the safety issue, is that guys get tired but they can't afford to lose that 14 hour on duty time so they just keep driving and they get accident. Um, so a pause button would be great so you don't lose those hours of service that day. Get rid of the 30 minute break, mandatory break. There shouldn't be any if you get 14 hours that day, you shouldn't have to mandatorily shut down for anything unless it's your mandatory shutdown for your 10 hours off or whatever. But I think that within a 24-hour clock of going on duty, you can have that 10 hours accumulated time. Some guys only need to sleep two hours at a time. Some guys only need six hours of sleep. They shouldn't have to give up all that time, you know, sitting around a truck stop for 10 hours when all they need is six hours of sleep to do their job.